Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Wednesday, March 22nd episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Definitely worth your while. I would definitely get over there. A lot of great listening for you. I would also continue to point you at the last link in our show notes. That is a link for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Gives In Go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can then commence the establishment of a Christian classic education-based school. So go ahead and click on that link. It'll give you a much more thorough description than I just did. And then we would ask three things of you. We would ask you to pray for us. We would ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And then, excuse me. And then we would ask you to pass the link along so that others can do the same. All right, well, let's go ahead and do our reading for this morning. We're going to open up like we usually do on Wednesday morning with the fourth day morning prayer called True Christianity. Let's pray. Lord of heaven, thy goodness is inexpressible and inconceivable. In the works of creation, thou art almighty. In the dispensations of providence, all wise. In the gospel of grace, all love. And in thy Son thou hast provided for our deliverance from the effects of sin, the justification of our persons, the sanctification of our natures, the perseverance of our souls in the path of life. Though exposed to the terrors of thy law, we have a refuge from the storm. Though compelled to cry unclean, we have a fountain for sin. Though creature cells of emptiness, we have a fullness accessible to all and incapable of reduction. Grant us always to know that to walk with Jesus makes other interests a shadow and a dream. Keep us from intermittent attention to eternal things. Save us from the delusion of those who fail to go far in religion, who are concerned but not converted, who have another heart but not a new one, who have light, zeal, confidence, but not, but not Christ. Let us judge our Christianity, not only by our dependence upon Jesus, but by our love to him, our conformity to him, our knowledge of him. Give us a religion that is both real and progressive, that holds on its way and grows stronger, that lives and works in the spirit, that profits by every correction, and is injured by no carnal indulgence. Amen. All right. Now our Monday, Monday morning, or our Wednesday morning devotional, excuse me, our Wednesday morning devotional for March 22nd from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Um, the text is from Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed. There are several instructive features in our Savior's prayer in his hour of trial. It was lonely prayer. He withdrew even from his three favored disciples. Believer, be much in solitary prayer especially in times of trial. Family prayer, social prayer, prayer in the church will not suffice. These are very precious, but the best beaten spice will smoke in your censer in your private devotions, where no ears, where no ear hears but God's. It was humble prayer. Luke says he knelt, but another evangelist says he fell on his face. Where then must be thy place? Thou humble servant of the great master, what dust and ashes should cover thy head? Humility gives us good foothold gives us good foothold in prayer. There is no hope of prevalence with God unless we abase ourselves that he may exalt us in due time. It was filial prayer, Abba Father. You will find it a stronghold in the day of trial to plead your adoption. You have no no rights as a subject. You have forfeited them by your treason, but nothing can forfeit a child's right to a father's protection. Be not afraid to say, My father, hear my cry. Observe that it was a persevering prayer. He prayed three times. 
Cease not until you prevail. Be as the importunate widow whose continued continual coming earned what her first supplication could not win. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Lastly, it was the prayer of resignation. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Yield and God yields. <laughs> Let it be as God wills, and God will determine for the best. Be thou content to leave thy prayer in his hands, who knows when to give and how to give, and what to give and what to withhold. So pleading earnestly, importunately, yet with humility and resignation, thou shalt surely prevail. All right. And now our reading, we're going to start in Numbers 33 at verse 40 and then read through Numbers 34, 35. We got some reading in Luke 5, Psalm 65, and then Proverbs eleven twenty-three. So here we go. Numbers 33, verse 40. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev in the land of Canaan, heard when the sons of Israel were coming. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor and camped at Zalmona. They journeyed from Zalmona and camped at Punan. They journeyed from Punan and camped at Oboth. They journeyed from Oboth and camped at Iyeh-Abarim, at the border of Moab. They journeyed from Aim and camped at Dibon-Gad. They journeyed from Dibon-Gad and camped at Almon-Diblathaim. They journeyed from Almon-Diblathaim and camped in the mountains of Abarim before Nebo. They journeyed from the mountains of, Neb of Abarim and camped in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho. They camped by the Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth as far as Abel Shittim in the plains of Moab. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, Would you cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan? Then you shall dispossess all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their carved stone, stones and destroy all their molten images and demolish all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and inhabit it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. And you shall inherit the land by lot according to your families. To the larger you shall give a larger inheritance, and to the smaller you shall give a smaller inheritance. Wherever the lot falls to anyone, that shall be his." You shall inherit according to the tribes of your father. But if you do not dispossess the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it will be that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides, and they will trouble you in the land which you inhabit. And if and it will be, as I plan to do to them, I, so I will do to you. Numbers 34 then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel, and say to them, When you enter the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, even the land of Canaan according to its borders. And your southern sector shall extend from the wilderness of Zin along the side of Edom, and your southern border shall extend from the end of the salt sea eastward. Then your border shall turn from the south to the ascent of Akrabim, and continue to Zin and its termination shall be to the south of Kadesh Barnea, and it shall reach Hazaradar, and continue to Asmon. And the border shall turn from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and its termination shall be at the sea. And as for the west border, you shall have the great sea, that is, its coastline. This shall be your west border, and this shall be your north border. You shall draw your border line from the great sea to Mount Hor. You shall draw a line from Mount Hor to Lebo Hamath, and the termination of the border shall be at Zedad, and the border shall proceed to Ziphron, and its termination shall be at Hazer Enyan. This shall be your north border. For your east border you shall also draw a line from Hazer Enon to Shaphem, and the border shall go down <coughs> from Shaphan to Ribla on the east side of Ain, and the border shall go down and reach to the slope on the east side of the Sea of Chinnereth. And the border shall go down to the Jordan, and its termination shall be at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land according to its border all around. So Moses commanded the sons of Israel, saying, This is the land that you shall inherit by lot among you as a possession, which Yahweh has commanded to give to the nine and a half tribes. 
for the tribe of the sons of Reuben have received their, theirs according to their father's household, and the tribe of the sons of Gad according to their father's household, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance. The two and a half tribes have received their inheritance across the Jordan opposite Jericho to the east toward the sunrise. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, These are the names of the men who shall apportion the land to you. For inheritance, Eleazar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun. And you shall take one, take one leader of every tribe to apportion the land for inheritance. Now these are the names of the men <clears throat> of the tribe of Judah, Caleb the son of Jephunneh. Of the tribe of the sons of Simeon, Samuel the son of Amihud. Of the tribe of Benjamin, El Eladad the son of Chislon. Of the tribe of the sons of Dan, a leader, Buki, the son of Jogli. Of the sons of Joseph, of the tribe of the son, sons of Manasseh, a leader, Haniel, the son of Ephod. Of the tribe of the sons of Ephraim, a leader, Kemuel, the son of Shiptan. Of the tribe of the sons of Zebulun, a leader, Elizaphan, the son of Parnak. Of the tribe of the sons of Issachar, a leader, Paltiel, the son of Azan. Of the tribe of the sons of Asher, a leader, Ahihud, the son of Shalomi. Of the tribe of the sons of Naphtali, a leader, Pedahel, the son of Amihud. These are those whom Yahweh commanded to apportion the inheritance to the sons of Israel in the land of Canaan. And Numbers 35. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they give to the Levites from the inheritance of their possession cities to live in, and you shall give to the Levites pasture lands around the cities. And the city shall be theirs to live in, and their pasture lands shall be for their cattle, and for their herds, and for all their beasts. And the pasture lands of the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward one thousand cubits around. You shall also measure outside the city on the east side two thousand cubits, and on the south side two thousand cubits, and then on the west side two thousand cubits, and on the north side two thousand cubits, with the city in the center. This shall become theirs as pasture lands for the cities. And the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge, which you shall give for the manslayer to flee to, and in addition to them you shall give forty-two cities. All the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be forty-eight cities, together with their sorry, together with their pasture lands. Now as for the cities which you shall give from the possession of the sons of Israel, you shall take more from from the larger, and you shall take less from the smaller. Each shall give some of his cities to the Levites in proportion to his possession which he inherits. Which he, he inherits. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select for yourself cities to be your cities of refuge, that, that the manslayer who has struck down any person unintentionally may flee there. And the city shall be for you as a refuge from the avenger, so that the manslayer will not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And the cities which you are to give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan. They are to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the sons of Israel and for the sojourner and for the foreign resident among them, that anyone who strikes a person down unintentionally may flee there. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he struck him down with a stone in the hand by which he would die, and as a result he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he struck him with a wooden object in the hand by which he would die, and as a result he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The blood avenger himself shall put the murderer to death. He shall put him to death when he meets him. And if he pu pushed him of hatred, or threw something at him lying in wait, and as a result he died, or if he struck him down with his hand in enmity, and as a result he died, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The blood avenger shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But if he pushes in... But if he pushed him suddenly without enmity, or threw something at him without lying in wait, or with any stone 
or with any stone by which one might die, yet without seeing, and it fell upon him, and he died, but he was not, not his enemy, nor seeking the injury, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the blood avenger according to these legal judgments. And the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger. And the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge, to which he fled, and he shall live in it until the death of the high priest, who is anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer at any time goes beyond the border of his city of refuge, to which he may flee, and the blood avenger finds him outside the border of his city of refuge, and the blood avenger kills the manslayer, he will not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer shall return to the land of his possession. And these things shall be for a statutory judgment to you throughout your generation, generations in all your places of habitation. If anyone strikes down a person, the murderer shall be put to death at the mouth of, of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall not take a ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. And you shall not take, take ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to live in the land before the death of the priest. So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no propitiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. And you shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell, for I, Yahweh, am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. All right. Luke 5, verses 12 through 28. And it happened that while he was in the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me, cl make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he directed him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But he himself would often slip away <sighs> Sorry, to the de desolate regions and pray. And it happened that one day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And behold, some men were carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down before him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But Jesus, knowing their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to, to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick, picking up your stretcher, go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And astonishment seized them all and they began glorifying God and they were filled with fear saying, we have been, seen remarkable things today. And after that he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. And he left everything behind and rose up and began to follow him. All right, Psalm 65. For the choir director, a psalm of David, a song. To you there will be silence and praise in Zion, O God, and to you the vow will be paid. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh comes. Words of iniquity prevail against me. As for our transgressions, transgressions, you atone for them. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you, that he would dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By fearsome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation, you who are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being girded with might, who stills the rumblings of the sea. 
the rumblings of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. They who inhabit the ends of the earth are in fear on account of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. You visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You establish their grain, for thus you establish the earth. Your water, you water its furrows abundantly. You smooth its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with richness. The pastures of the wilderness drip, and the hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The meadows are clothed with flocks, and the valleys are covered with grain. They make a loud shout. Indeed, they sing. All right, and lastly, Proverbs 11:23. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the hope of the wicked is wrath. All right. Well, that's our reading for the day. Um, I thank you for spending this time with me. I hope this has been beneficial for you and has been edifying and has helped to equip you um, in your daily walk. I hope you have a wonderful day. I, I would continue to implore you to do all you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you this evening. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. Uh, the prayer we're going to use is called need of grace, need of grace. Let's pray. O Lord, Thou knowest my great unfitness for service, my present deadness, my inability to do anything for Thy glory, my distressing coldness of heart. I am weak, ignorant, unprofitable, and loathe and abhor myself. I am at a loss to know what Thou wouldst have me do, for I feel amazingly deserted by Thee, and since Thy presence so little. Thou makest me possess the sins of my youth, and the dreadful sin of my nature, so that I feel all sin. I cannot think or act, but every motion is sin. Return again with showers of converting grace to a poor gospel-abusing sinner. Help my soul to breathe after holiness, after a constant devotedness to Thee, after growth in grace more abundantly every day. O Lord, I am lost in the pursuit of this blessedness, and am ready to sink because I fall short of my desire. Help me to hold out a little longer until the happy hour of deliverance comes for I cannot lift my soul to thee. If thou, if thou of thy goodness, bring me not nigh. Help me to be diffident, watchful, tender, lest I offend my blessed friend in thought and behavior. I confide in thee and lean upon thee, and need thee at all times to assist and lead me. Oh, that all my distresses and apprehensions might prove but Christ's school, to make me fit for greater service, by teaching me the great le lesson of humility." Amen. All right. Well, again, that is our morning segment for the day. I, I do hope you have a wonderful one, and I hope to see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Wednesday, March 22nd episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. I would definitely recommend it. A lot of great listening over a lot of great topics, um, curated podcasts so you can be sure of your content, um, that, it, that it's acceptable. Um, definitely worth your while. All right, well, we're going to continue on in our Bible study in John 6, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to open up this morning with a prayer from Valley of Vision, or this evening, I should say. Uh, this one is called God the Spirit. Let's pray. O Lord God, I pray not so much for graces as for the Spirit himself, because I feel his absence, and act by my own spirit in everything. Give me not weak desires, but the power of his presence, for this is the surest way to have all his graces. And when I have the seal, I have the impression also. He can heal, help, quicken, humble, suddenly and easily, can work grace and life effectually, and being eternal, he can give grace eternally. Save me from great hindrances, from being content with a little measure of the Spirit, from thinking thou wilt not give me more. When I feel my lack of him, light up life and faith. For when I lose thee, I am either in the dark and cannot see thee, or Satan in my natural abilities content me with a little light, so that I seek no further for the spirit of life. Teach me then what to do. Should I merely humble myself and not stir up my heart? 
should I meditate and use all means to bring him near, not being contented by one means, but trust him to give me a blessing by the use of all, depending only upon and waiting always for thy light by use of means? Is it a duty or an error to pray and look for the fullness of the Spirit in me? Am I mistaken in feeling I am empty of the Spirit, because I do not sense his presence within, when all the time I am most empty, and could be more full by faith in Christ? Was the fullness of the Spirit in the apostles chiefly a power, giving the subsistence outside themselves in Christ, in whom was their life and joy? Teach me to find and know fullness of the Spirit only in Jesus. Amen. All right, and now our evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for March 22nd. The text is from John 17, 24. It's Christ's high priestly prayer. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. O death, why dost thou touch the tree beneath whose spreading branches weariness hath rest? Why dost thou snatch away the excellent of the earth, in whom is all our delight? If thou if thou must use thine axe, use it upon the tree which yield on the trees which yield no fruit. Thou mightest be thanked then, but why wilt thou fell the goodly cedars of Lebanon? O oh, stay thine axe and spare the righteous. But no, it must not be. Death smites the God goodliest of our friends, the most generous, the most prayerful, the most holy, the most devoted must die. And why? It is through Jesus prevailing prayer. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. It is that which bears them on eagles' wings to heaven. Every time a believer mounts from this earth to paradise, it is an answer to Christ's prayer. A good old divine, remo a good old divine remarks, many times Jesus and his people pull against one another in prayer. You bend your knee in prayer and say, Father, I will that thy saints be with me where I am. Christ says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Thus the disciple is at cross purposes with his Lord. The soul cannot be in both places. The beloved one cannot be with Christ and with you too. Now which pleader shall win the day? If you had your choice, if the king should st step from his throne and say, Here are two supplicants praying in opposition to one another, which shall be answered? Oh, I am sure, though it were agony, you would start from your feet and say, Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. You would give up your prayer for your loved one's life, if you could realize the thoughts that Christ is praying in the opposite direction. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Lord, thou shalt have them. By faith we let them go. All right, what a beautiful one. All right. Well, so like I said, we're getting back into our Bible study of John and John chapter six. We're getting towards the end of the whole bread of life discourse here. Um, and so, you know, um, well, and so our text for the day, go ahead and I'll read it first. I have a tendency to forget to do that, but I'll go ahead and read it first. So we're reading from John six and we're covering verses 60 through 66 today. So hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples went away and were not walking with him anymore. All right. So, you know, like I said, we've, so John 6, we've, from the beginning, we've, he's fed, the, Christ has fed the 5,000, well, the 15 to 20,000, and he's walked on water. And he dealt with the true disciples who worshiped him in the boat and believed. You know, he had walked across and they, they, even Peter said, he trusted him so much, Lord, have me come to you. And he walked on the water himself. Um, you know, he stumbled some, but he walked on the water himself. But we saw the true disciples. He gets into the boat. They, they welcome him into the boat and they, and they worship him as we see in the, in the other gospels, not John's, but in their recordings of the same thing, they worshiped him. But then we also saw the false disciples who realizing he, he wasn't there anymore. He wasn't to the east side or northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. 
um, transited back over um, and and didn't even catch the fact or or chose to ignore the fact that he must have done another miracle to get there, though they should have realized it um, based on all the evaluation they had done. They're more worried about getting a free breakfast. They want somebody to take him to Denny's and buy him a new one. You know, they wanted somebody to take them to the breakfast buffet for free, you know, kind of thing. Um, that's what they're caught up into. And, you know, that's the thing. You know, he's fed them with bread and fish. But this leads into the bread of life discussion, indicating that he's truly the bread of life, that he is the bread of life. And then then he goes into the section talking about appropriating the bread of life, how, how they should appropriate it, how they should take it in. And we talked about that in there in verse 51, where, where you know, Jesus, as, as MacArthur calls it, calls, says, calls him a master teacher, um, uses the, the, the concept of eating to show um, parallels in acquiring spiritual truths and in taking in and appropriating this bread of life. Um, and so we see that. And then he continues to talk to them about his true flesh, his flesh and his blood, the true food and the true drink is consuming his flesh and blood. And it makes clear. And even as he goes on and we'll see in our verses today, it becomes really clear. He's not talking about literally eating his flesh and his blood. Okay. He's just not. Um, but he's been clear throughout this. And, and of course, the Jews there, um, and in this case, a lot of it's the Jewish leadership, are so caught up. And, and we've talked about it. I, I've mentioned it over the last couple of nights. They're hardening their own hearts. Okay. He's shown them enough. He's given them enough information. He's shown clearly that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And they continue to harden their hearts. And, and being all that means that he is from God. And they know this. They know this. They know their scripture well enough. They know their Old Testament well enough to know that he is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, and he comes down from God. And they know all this, but they are so resistive to this. And so this is what we we come into today. We come into the section about responding to the bread of the lo- bread of life. And this is verse 60, basically to the end of the chapter. And so I'm breaking this into two sections today. The responses to the bread of life. And this first one we're going to be talking about will be how the false disciples respond. That's our verses that I read you for today. So we go into verse 60. Therefore, and of course it starts with therefore. And what have we talked about before with therefore? When we see it, we need to go, what is, we need to ask, and as silly as it sounds, we need to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, what it's saying is Jesus is, or John the Apostle, as he writes this, is saying, because of everything we've said, everything that's been preached by Jesus prior to this about the bread of life and appropriating the bread of life, because of all that, then into the verse, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? These false disciples were grumbling. And we hear this, that, that when Jesus's evaluation of this, he, John, the apostle actually calls it out as grumbling, but they're grumbling here. It's the same, the, the mumble, 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 talking under their breath, back and forth behind his back. Just like we've seen the Jews do previously. We've seen this a couple of different times during this discourse. But look at the word difficult here, difficult here and what they say. This is a difficult statement. The Greek here for difficult means rough, withered, stiff. But figuratively, and in this context, it means it describes something that is harsh, that is unpleasant, that is hard to accept. So if we look at that, as MacArthur talks about it here um, in his commentary about it, if we take that in conjunction with the second half of their statement, so where they say this is a difficult statement, so this is a hard to accept statement, who can listen to it? What they're saying there is that it wasn't that Jesus was saying that what Jesus was saying was incomprehensible. And I've I've seen people eisegete this, and that means improperly interpret this that they think it means that they can't understand it, that this is a difficult statement, this is a hard-to-understand statement, how can we listen to it? That's not the thing. What they're saying is this is not, this is hard to accept. We don't want to accept it. How can we listen to it? Because it's objectionable and offensive to them. The fact that he is the bread of life, the fact that he, he is the only way to the Father, and they've got to come through him. And the fact is that he's come down from heaven. And we really see that pointed out. So these false disciples were not willing to accept what Jesus was saying. They were all happy when he was healing them and feeding them free meals. 
But once he starts requiring something of them, they, they, they were ready to hit the road. And we'll see that at the end of our verses in verse 66, they leave a bunch of them leave. I mean, that's the thing he's got, he's going to be left with a very small group of true disciples. And, and let me clarify something. I probably should have done this at the beginning. So it's really easy as we see disciples go back at the, the word disciple be used back and forth and back and forth across the gospels. So let me be clear here. So a disciple, and I've, and I think I've done this before and said this before on the podcast, but it's a disciple is a learner, somebody who takes up with a teacher to learn from them. The 12 for Christ are the apostles. Now, yes, they were disciples as well. But so I, tr I've been trying to differentiate from them, no matter how they're, how they're labeled in the text. I've tried to differentiate between him. So this is why I'm talking about the false disciples. This is not talking the false among the 12, though there is one among the 12. And we'll even see that in our verses today. But we're talking false disciples, people that, hey, yeah, they jump on. Hey, neat, bright, shiny, new teacher here. Let's let's go run after him. Let's see what he can teach us. Let's see. Or, or like I said before about the fickle crowd, talked about it. They're looking for a free meal. They're, they're looking for all the, the miracles. Oh, how cool this is. And they're all, all ready to follow after that for all that cool stuff. But the minute it becomes hard, the minute it becomes hard to start accepting the things being said, the minute it, it becomes tough to tolerate, they're gone. They're gone in a heartbeat. Um, and it, and it, 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 it hits you. Um, this is similar to those that when, um, the parable of the sower, when the sower sowing the seeds and it's the, the um, seeds in the rocky soil that have no root, but once um, they're in, they spring up quickly. So once they get into religion, they spring up quickly. Oh, this is really cool. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm all in for it. But the minute it gets tough, they're gone. They are gonzo. They are, they're out of there. Because it's just not worth it to them. Now, now that's not true. The fact is it's worth their eternal soul, which is going to be damned to hell outside of salvation. So it is, but, but they don't see it that way. And that's what we're seeing here. And that's what we see within our own society. People are not willing to stand on the tough sayings. I'm sorry. When you start talking about homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion, um, adultery, um, and those kind of things, uh, female pastors, stuff like that, things that are biblical and you try to stand on them. Uh, people start bailing out. You'll see people bailing left and right out of churches. And honestly, that's clear in the chaff from the wheat. But you see that they're false disciples. Um, first John, you see it in first John, they went out from us because they were not of us. And, and it goes on and on. I don't ever remember the whole verse. Sorry, not great at memorizing verses um, other than a few. That's what we see here, starting in verse 60. So Jesus responds to them. He calls them out in verses 61 and 62. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling at this, so they, they, he knew already. He knew they were grumbling. And I mean, seriously, grumbling. And he said to them, does this cause you to stumble? And then he qualifies it in verse 62. What then if you see the son of man ascending to where he was before? So this makes clear. Yeah, he's, he's calling them out. Um, on the fact that they're struggling with the hard sayings, but he, it makes clear that one of their biggest beefs at this point, what's hard for them to hear, what is hard for them to process because they find it objectionable is the fact that he's claimed that he's come down from heaven with everything he's done, particularly the Jewish leadership. And even in their comment about the fact that they know who his parents are. And, and I said it back then, I said it, you know, this was days ago or whatever, when we were doing it in the Bible study, they, they know who his parents are. They know the town he grew up in. Well, if they'd have done their research and honestly, they probably did. They actually knew he was actually of the line of Judah, both mother and father, and that he was born in Bethlehem, all of which meet prophecy. And they could go on and on and on. They have all the facts on top of the fact that they're seeing not just the facts that he meets all those prophecies, but he's doing all these miracles, these miracles that only could only be done by someone from God. Now they're even going to do, and you'll see it. And I think it's here in the gospel of John. You see later on in his ministry, they turn around and they start, 
telling him they 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 even further harden their hearts that to say that he's doing these miracles by the power of the devil by the power of Beelzebul I think that's that's the the phrase or the name he uses for him or they use for him they even harden their heart further you know and and so the, again these are the false disciples they may have been following around to to learn on a loose loose on a on a loose side uh, a less uh, demanding side but this is getting tough and they're struggling with the idea that this guy says i'm come i've come down from heaven you know again they they this this guy was born of joseph and mary well if they'd actually dug into it the word would have been around that that mary gave birth as a virgin therefore joseph was not his blood father so where would he come from? You know, kind of thing. If they'd have really dug into it, he met all those criteria. And it was obvious. And, 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 and the, one of the biggest witnesses was John the Baptist for him. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> That's the Son of God. I mean, they, they knew this. They had all the information they needed. But they just could not, could not take it in. They hardened their hearts. And I'm not saying could not, didn't have the ability I'm saying they could not humble themselves to accept and believe. So verse 63, he continues to call them out at their, at their, at their focus on the flesh. He goes on in, in his statement here. The spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. Again, he's calling them out. We know, we've seen throughout this chapter that not only the fickle crowd but the Jewish leadership, and which kind of intermixed, I'm sure. I'm sure some are part of both. But that they were so caught up on the bread. Give me more free meal. Following. And I mean, I mean, it's clear as you watch as they follow. It's very, very clear. And it, it, even um, in this gospel and the other gospels, they're following to get more healing. They're following to see more um, miracles. They're following to get more food, more free food. They want a free lunch. They want a free ride. They, they want a welfare state. Okay, we even saw there um, back in a, oh, right after feeding the 5,000, they were going to take him and make him king. And he dispersed the crowd. Like, no, 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 this is not, this is not the way this goes. They're still focused on the material. And he's saying, listen, the spirit is the one who gives life. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. And he's saying the flesh profits nothing. The, the, you want this bread like because they were talking about before the manna out of heaven and relating to what, what Jesus is talking about. And he's like, that's going to profit you nothing. I mean, even that's going to profit you nothing. And he goes, but the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words he is preaching, the gospel he is bringing, bringing those are spirit and her life. And we we saw when he was talking to the woman at the well. That we're going to worship, there are times coming and now is, we're going to worship in spirit and truth, where true believers are going to worship in spirit and truth. The words he's preaching, what comes from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in us to make us able to take this in and truly grasp and understand this, that is spirit in life. He's making clear that by stating this, that anything other than this is not life, it's death. The flesh profits nothing. He's trying to make clear to them that the material world profits them nothing. Their, their, their religiosity profits them nothing. But then he, we see him go on. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. Again, he knew. I mean, he's, he's omniscient. He makes clear that there's some of them that do not believe. He's making clear. He already knows. These are false disciples. These are people chasing the bright shiny. These are people looking for freebies. These are people looking for free healing. He knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. He knew before they ever started assembling around him. And it makes clear the last phrase and who it was that would betray him. He knew Judas would betray him. He called him as his disciple, as his, as his apostle, but he knew he would betray him. But he did it to fulfill God's will. So verse 65, Jesus doesn't hold back. 
but he continues to bring the hard message. This was another one they struggled with. This is honestly one we struggle with today. A lot of people struggle with it because they're so caught up on their free will. And so verse 65, and he was saying, Jesus was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the father making clear that only through the work of the Father, only through the Father working through this Holy Spirit within us, can we come to Christ. He's saying that to them and he was saying that to us, that only through that can we come to Christ. And if people go, well, I made the choice. You only made the choice because the Holy Spirit made you able to make that choice. Left to your own devices, you're going to choose hell every time. You are going to choose sin every time. You are going to choose to turn from God every time. And I will too. Okay, I'm not saying that at you and trying to throw shade on you. I will too. Outside of the grace of God, outside of the work of the Holy Spirit within me, outside of the Holy Spirit working within us, we will do that. And these people will. And that's why he says clearly, for this reason, I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the father, making clear that those that are the false disciples, yeah, they're, they're, they're meant to be the false disciples and they're going to wander away. And the father knew that. And the ones that remain are the ones that the father has called the ones that the father has granted. So verse 66, we see the result. As a result of this, many of his disciples went away and were not walking with him anymore. They gave up the ghost. They were not willing to persevere. They were not willing to hang on. They weren't willing to pay the price. And believe me, it was going it was, it was to be a price. And for us, it's a price. Believe me, I've, 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 I've lost friends. Um, I've, I've had family turn from me. Um, my wife and I have had family turn from us because we hold to a very specific moral code and that moral code is shaped by the Bible. And, and it's not that we're moralists. Okay. Please don't misunderstand that. But, but we hold to a biblical worldview and that is abhorrent to them. That is abhorrent to them. They're not willing to accept that. And so they've, we've lost and we're going to continue to believe me, the persecution's not going to be get, get better. It's going to get worse. Okay. But our father has granted us to the son has given us to the son as a gift. And there is our hope as Christ even says it here. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. Again, if we saturate ourselves in the bread of life, if we saturate ourselves in the word of Christ in the word of God and rest in that and rest in the hope that it brings, those are spirit in our life. When the world is death all around us, those are spirit in our life. So we can't be like these false disciples. We can't sit there and even with the hard statements and they're hard, um, Paul, you know, elders, pastors are to be husbands of one wife. They're to be men, men. That's a hard one, especially right now. We're, we're watching, we're watching whole denominations fracturing because these, these, um, hierarchies and specific churches, the more liberal churches, and I'm sorry, that's how it is, will not hold to a biblical worldview. So they are fracturing because they will not stand on biblical truth because they will not, they will not accept the word of God as being inerrant, infallible, and totally sufficient. And in that they are sinning. They are disobedient and they are sinning. I'm not going to say they're saved or not, or whether they're saved or not. That's not my place to call, but they are being disobedient. They are being sinful in that. And believe me, they will be held to account for it because it's really clear. James is really clear. I think it's James that says, that not many of us should be should desire to become teachers because we'll be held to a, a, a higher judgment 
a double portion, I think is what it says. Again, I, me doing this podcast, trying to provide guidance and teaching, I'm going to be hold, held to a higher account by God. These two, if they're not holding to a biblical worldview and they're misguiding and misleading the people in their congregations or the congregations themselves are more concerned with the culture than a biblical worldview, than the words of that Christ has spoken, which are spirit and our life. Those are the false disciples. Those are the ones that went out from us because they were not of us. And we cannot be them. It's worth our eternal life. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. I hope you have a good night. I hope to see you in the morning. So we're going to close out with a fourth day evening prayer. It's called God All Sufficient. Let's pray. King of glory, divine majesty, every perfection adorns thy nature and sustains thy throne. The heavens and earth are thine. The world is thine in its fullness. Thy power created the universe from nothing. Thy wisdom has managed all its multiple concerns, presiding over nations, families, individuals. Thy goodness is boundless. All creatures wait on thee, are supplied by thee, are satisfied in thee. How precious are the thoughts of thy mercy and grace! How excellent thy loving kindness that draws men to thee! Teach us to place our happiness in thee, the blessed God, never seeking life among the dead things of earth, or asking for that which satisfies the deluded. But may we prize the light of thy smile, implore the joy of thy salvation, find our heaven in thee. Thou hast attended to our happiness more than we can do. Though we are fallen creatures, thou hast not neglected us. In love and pity thou hast provided us a Savior. Apply his redemption to our hearts by justifying our persons and sanctifying our natures. We confess our transgressions, have mercy on us. We are weary, give us rest. Ignorant, make us wise unto salvation. Helpless, let thy strength be made perfect in our weakness. Poor and needy, bless us with Christ's unsearchable riches. Perplexed and tempted, let us travel on unchecked and undismayed knowing that thou hast said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Blessed be thy name. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have a wonderful night, and I hope to see you in the morning. Have a good one. God bless. Mm-hmm.